0: From Commander's
1: Palace Restaurant in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with economist and assistant dean of Tulane University's Freeman
0: School of Business, Peter Raschuti. It's business New Orleans style. Hi and welcome to today's show. I'm Peter Raschuti. Once a week I have lunch at Commander's Palace and invite guests from the world of New Orleans business to join me. Today I'm here with Marshall Carver, the director of research and senior analyst in oil and gas exploration and production for Capital One. Oil and gas are always somewhat volatile, but with the aftermath of the Gulf oil spill and now going into the presidential election in which the economy is front and center, the intertwined politics of economics, of oil and gas, have become vitally important nationally, globally, and right here at home in Louisiana. Marshall Carver's impressive track record as an energy analyst has made him well-known and extremely well-regarded nationwide. But despite a valiant effort some years ago when he moved to Houston, he won't live anywhere but New Orleans. Marshall, there's nothing more fundamental to the economy uh, than oil and gas. Let's start there. What's the link between oil and gas in New Orleans and Louisiana and Washington and the Middle East? We're all what, producing the same stuff?
1: Yes. Well, the, it's really two separate commodities, and they need to be thought of separately. Oil is very much a global commodity. And that's because it's really easy to ship it from one place to another. Just so, put it in a big
0: tanker and send it somewhere? Right. E-
1: exactly. So oil that's you know oil that's produced in Venezuela or the Middle East or Russia or Alaska or the Gulf Coast can all be it can be shipped anywhere and consumed anywhere and that's that's not a difficult thing. So oil prices globally tend to go up and down together and, and, and in sync. And so, you know, if you have a $5 rise in the price of oil in the North Sea, it'll probably go up by $5 the same day in the Gulf Coast. Gas
0: is very much a different
1: commodity. Where, and here
0: we're talking just for our as Marshall, like gas. Right. We, some people think gasoline, but this is natural gas. Right. Talking, okay.
1: Natural gas, like what comes out of your stove.
0: Okay. If you've got a gas stove. Probably right here at Commander's. Uh, isn't r- Right. A,
1: yeah. <laughs> exactly. Gas is, is very much different where the gas that's consumed in North America, almost all of that is produced in North America and it's, you can ship gas globally um, via LNG or liquefied natural gas and that's becoming more and more popular but for the most part gas prices are not in sync and the price globally and you could have high prices in the US and low prices elsewhere but in fact, the opposite is the case, where you've got high prices in Europe, higher prices in Asia, but in the U.S. we've got low prices because we've got our own supply-demand dynamic, where natural gas is oversupplied, and that's caused prices to go down here in the U.S. What's
0: causing the oversupply?
1: Where's it all coming from? Is it new? Well, it's it's of course. I mean, the gas is not new. I mean, the gas <laughs> all this from is, dinosaurs, you know, right? This is that's from linked. you know. Millions of years ago, but there have been technological improvements that have taken place over the last decade, and there's really been two main improvements. There's been horizontal drilling, where it used to be that most of the wells that were drilled in the United States were vertical
0: wells, just straight up and down the way you think right. of the clampets, that kind e- of thing.
1: Exactly, and more recently, you've had horizontal drilling has come into in. To play where a well might be drilled five thousand feet down, but then it's drilled ten thousand feet across or five thousand feet across. So that's found all like new
0: that. new pockets of, of gas. E-
1: exactly. So so stuff that used to not be economic is now economic at much lower prices. It's a co- really a combination of horizontal drilling and then fracturing, where you know rock is basically you know it's fractured under high pressure and that allows natural gas to escape from the
0: rock. Now this is the thing that's so controversial environmentally, right? The Yes. And and where and what is the issue there?
1: The issue it really comes from concern that when you when you fracture the rock, I mean you're basically injecting primarily water and sand and a very small quantity of chemicals. And then that flows back out the well bore, um, and basically comes to the to the surface and you produce the natural gas. The concern is that these chemicals that are are injected along with the water and sand are, would be harmful. I mean, you wouldn't want to you
0: wouldn't want to drink
1: a gallon of them. Oh,
0: so it could get into the aquifer. Right, that, the... that's
1: the worry, but there's really been you know, there haven't been that many... There, I, I can't think of a case where that's actually happened, but there's a lot of fear and a lot of concern about that happening. And basically, the the oil and gas industry, you know, doesn't have a great environmental track record because of a few well-known, well-publicized accidents. But really, you know, thousands of wells are drilled each year, and there have been very few incidences, and I can't think of any, um, in shale gas where there's been, or... Sh- or you know shale oil as right. well where there've actually been problems but certainly there've been environmental problems in the with oil and gas and the you know the makando spill and the you know spill in alaska right. a couple of decades ago
0: Well, why if we we got all this natural gas why aren't we using more of it doesn't it seem like the uh it seems to be cheap it's uh, environmentally better than oil what what's what's the hold up
1: right well there's there's a lot of advantages to natural gas um but it can, and, it, and there's a lot of uses for it. You can use it for to create power, and the the main ways power is created, I mean, you've got, there's, there's no really great way to produce it that's completely environmentally friendly. Um, you've got hydroelectric, but then you have to have dams. You have coal, but that's not clean. You've got nuclear, and there's always the concern of a nuclear me- meltdown. And you've got gas, and that has to be, you know, Wells have to be drilled to produce right. the gas. Um, so gas can be used for power, gas is used for heating, and gas can be used for transportation. Um, right now, the, the main uses for natural gas are for heating and for power, and transportation consumes ha- hardly any gas. At so this time. is like
0: running a car or a truck on right, natural exactly. gas, which is very doable, right? It's, it's,
1: it's doable, and it's, and it's done. It's just not done here in the U.S. very often. You know, if you go to places like South America and Europe, like Italy, for example, a, a significant percentage of their cars are run using natural gas. And even, you know, some places in the U.S., you know, I, I was in a, on a business trip in San Francisco a couple of years ago and they had a, you know, I couldn't, I went to put my luggage in the trunk, but the trunk had a big, huge compressed natural gas and <laughs> there was no room for it because that car had been converted to... Right to run on natural gas, and and the big advantage there is is not only is gas cleaner than oil, but it's a lot cheaper too. I mean, a, a gallon of the equivalent of a gallon of compressed natural gas would cost you, you know below a dollar at current natural gas prices versus three to four dollars for a gallon of gasoline that you run your car with.
0: You know Marshall to have you here is such a treat and I think a lot of people see your name in the paper and all over but you're an energy expert but to the average guy what do you do? I there's well I'm the director of research but
1: which means I, I make sure that that we're there's about a hundred stocks that we, our firm has an opinion on okay. in the world of energy. And it's about, you know, about 50 oil and gas exploration and production stocks, which are, these are the companies that, you know, drill oil and gas wells in the U.S., you know, all over the U.S. I mean, you've got activity in Northern Louisiana and Arkansas and, and the Marcellus Shale in Pennsylvania and in the Gulf Coast area. Um... And also the service companies, which are the companies that own the rigs that drill the wells. Okay. Then there's, there's really sort of a, a difference where you, know, you just think oil and gas companies, but the business is sort of segregated.
0: And now, do you try to f- so you're
1: trying to figure out which of these stocks
0: are going to go up? Right. Basically, com- there's I
1: try and, and come up with wh- and advise investors on which stocks they should be buying and which stocks that they should be selling and why. And there's about... Fifteen stocks that I follow very, very closely, and then our firm covers another another eighty five or so. But other people are primarily responsible for those stocks. Wow! And, and
0: your clients are um, uh, they're not individuals like uh, me and you. They're they're mutual funds, hedge funds, things like that. Right, institutional.
1: right. We call them institutional investors, and that's basically you know it's exactly right. It's pension funds, insurance funds. Mutual funds and hedge funds. We used
0: to call that side of the business the opium side of the business because it was OPM, other people's money. <laughs> but it was uh, the, uh, the same thing, though. <laughs> right, so. right. And we don't really have much of a, a retail
1: client base, which would be you know retail, you know, individual people calling right. in and, and asking questions about things like that. But there's basically 15 companies that I follow closely and have followed for you know about a decade now, and you know, we read we read through their 10-Ks and their 10-Qs and their press releases and
0: listen to their conference calls. And, and You're kind it's of all in, l- investigators, right? Right. I mean, you kind of look in there and try to find what maybe somebody else has missed. Exactly, what what somebody else has missed.
1: And, and, you know, it's a lot of... There's different ways of doing the job. I mean, some people love talking to oil and gas companies and talking to clients, you know, and that's a major part of what I do. Another, you know, other people, I, I personally like building financial models and, and I like trying, I really like trying to figure out, you know, what I think a company's cash flows are going to be next year and do I think that most other people think that's higher or lower than that's going to be. And, you know, I, I enjoy sitting in front of a computer model. Well, you're,
0: you're doing what you were meant to do. There's no <laughs> question about that. Now, let me ask you, um, uh, we talked about the the big spill about eighteen months ago or so. How is the Gulf of Mexico now? Is activity picked up or is it uh, still lagging or where is? It? Well, it's it's
1: it dropped off and it's picking back up, but it's not where it was. And you know, the, there's there's a couple of different factors. I mean, one, the permitting process slowed way down. Where yeah, in order to drill a well offshore in the Gulf of Mexico, you have to get approval from the used to be the mineral the MMS, the Minerals Management Service, and now it's the it's got a new name, the Bureau Bureau of Energy, Offshore Energy Management. And you have to get permits and that's slowed down, but that's picking back up. But basically, you know, natural gas prices have declined a lot over the last couple of years too. So that's that's part of it is that the wells Aren't the lots of the shallower gas wells that used to be drilled a couple years ago are uneconomic now because gas prices are three dollars instead
0: of five. Well, well, gas is so important to uh, Louisiana. What could get prices up? I mean, would you would you focus on the demand side, trying to increase the demand for gas?
1: Well, there's the there's two things. I mean, many people say that the the quickest fix for low gas prices is low gas prices because. (laughs) that basically a lot of there're very few wells that are drilled in the US that are economic at current gas prices. And why do they do it? Well, part of it is that if you they call it laying down a rig, if you if you have a rig that's drilling and then you you shutter that rig and you know and and it stops drilling, when you try and pick that crew and get that, get working again, it doesn't work as quickly as it used to because, you know, you've got to ramp up the crew and and things like that. Basically, you know, if you look at the, and we look at rig counts on a weekly basis, but, you know, if you, if you step back a year, there were 900 rigs drilling for natural gas in the United States, and now, and that was it, in a $4 plus natural gas environment. At current, at current prices, you know, natural gas is just below $3 uh, per 1,000 cubic feet right now, and there are 800 natural gas rigs running. So there hasn't been a big drop-off in the, in the number of rigs running. It, it sort of feels like a a big game of chicken um, where all the gas companies want the other gas companies to stop so drilling, stop drilling. <laughs> but no one's really stopped drilling. So it's, you know, they're going to have to collectively stop drilling, and that will... What happens is, you know, you stop drilling, and natural gas production sort of slowly declines, and then, you know, so supply declines, demand stays about the same, supply declines, and then prices go up. And that's what... You, you know, that's... It's a supply... Pro- gas prices are low because of a supply problem. Demand hasn't changed that much for natural gas in the last decade.
0: Now, it used to be that these companies would just lay down the rigs and such. They used to sometimes call that... Uh, measurement, kind of a, the the redneck OPEC, you know, is uh, you could get to but uh, but you're right. This time, it, it's just not happening as quickly as you think.
1: Right, and part of that um, part of that has to do with oil prices being high. Because if you you don't really drill just pure natural gas wells and pure oil wells, um, almost all the oil wells that are drilled have some associated gas okay. with it. So you produce oil and gas out of the well. So maybe you know, maybe 70% of the production stream is oil, but 30% of it is gas. And so if you look over the last year, the oil rig count has gone up by about 300 rigs to, you know, I don't have the exact figures in I, front that's, of me, I but can see exactly you, where you're getting that,
0: though. Yeah. Right.
1: So basically, the, natu- the wells drilling for just natural gas have gone down, but the wells drilling for oil have gone up, or the number of rigs drilling for oil have gone up, and therefore... You know, we still have a lot of associated natural gas production with those rigs, so it's going to take. the The solution is a lot of rigs need to be laid down, nationwide, and almost all the natural gas plays, except for the Marcellus play, except for the the ultra deep play in the Gulf of Mexico, um, which is, you know, very very deep wells drilled offshore Louisiana, and the. Marcellus gas play in Pennsylvania, almost all the other natural gas plays don't work very well at all, right, at current at the, prices. These, at these levels. And the major fields would be the Haynesville Shale play, which mm-hmm. is in North Louisiana, the Fayetteville Shale play, which is in Arkansas, and the, um, and the well, the
0: Eagle Ford and the Barnett Over plays, which are in Texas. Texas. The, uh, geez, you know, and... This is the time we, we like to do a, new, a thing here called the checklist. We get to get get to know our guests a little okay. bit better, and um, and I've got to say you're one. Of, you are people say nice guys can't make it on Wall Street, and you are a nice guy. So and you have made it. So uh, so take that, Gordon Gecko. They, um, Marshall. What do you do on Mardi Gras Day? Well, we um. Well, we live. I, we bought
1: a house when we moved back from Houston. I I. The firm I was with moved me to Houston about four years ago, and I lasted for two months and then <laughs> quit my job and moved back and luckily was able to um, to work at capital one and we it's always been a dream of mine to to live near the parade route so we we found a house within about a block of the parade route and that's where we live and we really love Mardi Gras, but Mardi Gras Day is the one day we we close up and we Walk. It's a group of friends of mine and I that for about a decade now we walk from Napoleon and Saint Charles down to the Faubourg Marigny, and we stash stash food and and drink along the way and and um, make a full day of it. It's a little it's a little harder with kids now. Um, you know, Do they so come we've with got, you, you know we've got strollers and wagons, and the group is expanded by you know reproduction, you know. <laughs> which is, I guess, is a very natural way of expansion, yeah, but, you know. But we've, it's been the same group for, you know, 10 or 15 years, and and we certainly enjoy it.
0: <laughs> well, I'll be looking for you. That's what, that's what I'll be doing. The, uh, and, and what is your definition of a bad day at work? Well, um, you know,
1: there's stock picking. I mean, that's basically what I do is I'm a, a stock picker. And a bad day at work... Is when, you know, you know. They, I, I was told several years ago that, that you know, if in sort of Wall Street and investment work, if you're doing well, if you're right, fifty five percent of the time, and you're going to be wrong the other forty five percent of the time, and and no one really knows which direction gas prices are going or which direction oil prices are going. I mean, we all talk authoritatively like we know, but you know, at the end of the day. There's a lot of guesswork, and a lot of people are wrong a lot of the time. And so a bad day is when, you know, a stock that I really like and have been pushing for a long time goes the opposite direction, like, um, you know, something bad, you know, like an oil spill or something would be an awful day, you know. Um, Or by the same token, if there's a stock that I – really don't like and all of a sudden it's acquired at a big premium. Oh yeah. You know, that's you know, that's a that's a bad day at work.
0: Now, with with all that, with all those variables and all that stress, what do you do to relieve stress?
1: Well, you know, this is sportsman's paradise um and I've read I, that on the license plate. I'm know, ready to You know, I like to you know, I like to go hunting and I like to go fishing and 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 and, and I love Saints and LSU football. Um, you know, so those are sort of consistent Something highlights. Those,
0: those last two can add to stress, though. That <laughs> yes. Is, uh, they, they, yeah. <laughs> now, Absolutely. Now, Marcy, you've been doing this, doing this a while. Um, New Orleans used to be an oil and gas hub. We used to have a lot more of the big skyscrapers downtown. With uh, they have, A lot of them have moved to Houston. Uh, some of them have moved just across the lake. Is New Orleans still a, an oil and gas town? Well, it's um, yes, you know it
1: it it is, and there's still a lot of you know there's still a lot of oil and gas jobs, and then you know there there's related jobs to it. I mean, you have the the main industry, which is you know oil and gas companies, and and you know a lot of those have sort of moved to Houston over the years. I mean, Houston's certainly the main oil and gas hub nationwide, Um, but you know, there's there's still a big presence. Maybe companies aren't headquartered here, but they have offices here, like you know, Shell and Exxon and. There's
0: still a lot of employment.
1: A lot of employment, and then there's the the side businesses, which are you know, banks and accountants and you, you know, helicopters, and there's all sorts of associated businesses that go along with with the you know with the producers.
0: Now, I mean, I've been asking you a lot of questions, but we have a mailbag that uh, that tells us some. We get listeners that write in to us and they, they want to know what uh, a question to be asked, and, and this is like the expert table. So, uh, well, what do we have, Grant? Uh, Peter, we've got a couple of questions. Actually, more than a couple have come in um, from Twitter and,
1: and our email account. This is one that uh, I've picked up for you, though, cause about energy. Uh, that came into out to lunch at it's New Orleans.com from Tyler Otterstrom, who asks, There's a lot of talk about a quote-unquote shift to alternative energy. The last major quote shift was from a revolution, an industrial revolution from mules to engines. When mules were it, guys who were in wagon wheels were wealthy. Isn't everybody who's in oil and gas now like the wagon wheel guys? What is the inside line on when to get out?
0: Huh. What is the future, Marshall? Do you, do you look bigger well- than just oil and gas? well
1: we you know right now i think the the main the main issue with alternative energies is that they're they're not very economic and you know they can be economic with subsidies um but you know solar power and fuel cells and things like that they don't work very well without subsidies and it's going to take a huge change for them to contribute more than a very small percentage of our total energy supply um, and right now you know they're just the smallest fraction of you know for example, power supply is just absolutely dominated by you know hydroelectric and coal and natural gas, and you know you look at at solar power for example, and it's maybe you know, 1% or something like that. And to replace or catch up with natural gas or coal, it's going to just take a lot of years and a lot of time for that to happen um, because none of this can change overnight. And there's also, you know, people look at, they want to do the environmentally friendly thing to do, and and I certainly agree with that, and, and you know, who wouldn't? But there's, there's all, you know, there's associated, there's some negative things with Everything. I mean, you know, I mean, how is the solar panel created? Is there environmental damage associated with that? And there's just, you know, you have to think about the big picture, which gets really complicated. And and there's no there's no perfectly clean fuels out there, right? That, that I'm aware of.
0: Well, that's uh, I like when you drive through the West and you see those big wind farms. That's kind of a. It's kind of a nice visual. I don't know how much energy yes, they produce, look,
1: but <laughs> you know, it's 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 just it's it's sort of, you know. Barely scratching the surface, and you know I think this is you know you know I think the real I think conservation plays in you know if you want to you know, there's not much focus on conservation in the in the U.S. But I think that that you know if we could if we consume less, then you know that certainly has a big influence on prices and is you know the environmental solution.
0: Well, this is the right answer because our producer, Grant, takes a bike to the show every week. So this is a, this is a exact correct answer. You know, this is the time of the show, Marshall, where we talk about a, uh, a public company that the students look at at Tulane University at Birkenau reports, and I thought we'd talk about a, a rather big one today, and that's the Shaw Group. They're out of Baton Rouge, and uh, it was one of the first companies we followed uh, 12 years ago. They, became, they they went public, and we began following them. They came as a very simple company in Baton Rouge. They were kind of a, a pipe-bending company, and now they're a huge engineering company. Conglomerate, uh, still headquartered in Baton Rouge. Stock sells around twenty-seven dollars a share. Trades under the ticker symbol SHAW. Uh, they employ twenty-seven thousand people and had six billion in revenues last year. So uh, sometimes uh, people forget that there are some very significant companies uh, headquartered uh, headquartered here in Louisiana. They've uh, one of the. They are big in a lot of engineering projects, particularly uh, nuclear power. And one of the places in New Orleans, of course, everybody here thinks about them. Is Shaw was really the group that came in on mass. To clean up after Katrina. So that was uh, where a lot of people had their exposure uh, to them. My guest today on Out to Lunch has been Marshall Carver, a uh, director of research and senior analyst at oil and gas production in uh, for Capital One here in New Orleans. For more information about Marshall and Capital One, follow our links on our site, it's neworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner 7 night. A week, Marshall, it has been great to have you.
1: Great to be here. Thank you.
0: Our producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our web designer and digital guru is Cliff Brigden. Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and is performing our theme music. And you can keep up with our continuing adventures in commerce by liking It's New Orleans uh, on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on iTunes, and check out our other shows on itsneworleans.com, including Happy Hour and Mindset. If you have a question or issue you'd like to bring up on the show, drop us a line. We're out to lunch at itsneworleans.com or tweet us. We're at It's New Orleans. Thank you to our friends at WWNO, New Orleans' source for NPR news, and thank you for joining us at lunch today. Until we meet around the table here at Commander's Palace, I'm Peter Rusciutti. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com.